Let's go ahead and begin with a time of, of prayer. God, we want to thank you so much for the ways that you have showered your love upon us and how you have used men and women throughout our lives as conduits through which your love has passed and poured onto each one of us. And so our prayer is that we can do the same. Just the same way that you have showered your love and your mercy and your forgiveness upon us, Lord, we pray that you will use us as vessels to carry that uh, life-offering water to others so that in their time of thirst uh, that we can uh, quench it with your love. God, thank you so much for these women in this time we have together. It's just a, just my favorite part of the week, and I'm thankful for the encouragement that they have provided uh, to myself and to one another. May we continue uh, to strive uh, to seek you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be spending some time dealing with uh, today the first stage uh, of the forgiveness uh, which Meads lines out, and again, uh, he's a doctor, he's smarter than me, he's an author, uh, and I'd certainly agree with stage one. We're going to get to a stage in a little bit that I'm going to maybe offer a little bit of pushback, and hopefully um, when we discuss this, maybe you'll side with me. And if you uh, side with him, that's okay. You have the right to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but this first stage we're going to talk about is the fact that um, hurt will be involved. Now, that's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, you think it's, it hurts when people hurt you, but it's not quite that easy. Sometimes we, we don't want to acknowledge that quite as well. We, we kind of push it away or we deny it. And we'll talk about in just a few minutes why we might deny the fact that we have been hurt. There definitely are some reasons. But I want to introduce this idea by reminding each one of us that it is okay to hurt. Years and years ago, I read a story about a young girl who was born uh, with this disease, very rare disease, uh, but it affected her nerves to the point that she couldn't feel things very well at all. In fact, her hand, she had no sensation of feeling in her hand. And you think, well, that's, that's kind of nice. I mean, there's never the smashed finger. Well, there's still the smashed finger, you just you don't feel it. In fact, they had to go beyond the normal child-proofing a house when you have a little baby or a little child that has no feelings in their hands because all of a sudden they can do things that they're not even aware of. They said they had to be careful because the little girl would be inclined to put her hand up on a stove and because she couldn't feel the heat, burning through, her hand would remain there until she could smell something or until one of her parents says, you got to get your hand off the stove. Hurt is an important feature that we have that God created within our bodies so that we know that something is wrong and we need to take action. Last night uh, I joined uh, some guys uh, to play dominoes. Some of you may be a little bit better at dominoes than I am. In fact, I would dare say that every one of you is better at dominoes. I'm not really good at it. I play with three other guys who, for some reason, not only can they see their dominoes, but they know which dominoes I have and which ones I should be playing. And Lance Havens uh, often draws the short straw and has to sit across from me, and that makes him his partner and inevitably the loser. Uh, But... 
we had a conversation and um, I, I had I'd made a bid, which now looking back was probably not a good bid. But he always says, you just need to bid. You've got to just get out there and try it. And I said, but I don't want to lose, you know, I just, I don't want to win for the team, but I don't want to lose for the team, okay? I mean, as long as I don't make us lose. He says, you just got to try. So I made a bid, and it was a bad bid, and we lost the bid, and ultimately we lost the game because of it. And, he, and his comment was, he said, he says, you know that, that pain that's being registered in your brain right now? He says, that's a good feeling. He says, I can tell you that that was a bad bid, but that pain that is being registered right now is much more effective than any words that I could say. And what he was wanting me to know is that's how you learn is that you, you make mistakes and you feel the pain of doing that. Well, that's how life is like. Um, I didn't understand this. I heard this. That, you know, you go through tough situations and you come out a better person. Yeah, I've heard that, but, you know, who cares, right? But I actually went through a really tough situation. And I can stand here today and tell you that I don't wish that on anybody, but I would never, ever take away what happened to me and the hurt that I felt through a difficult time. It completely changed who I was, and I hope that it made me a better person. That when I went through some of those things, I began to grow in a relationship with Jesus that I had never had before. Because I understood what it was like to feel pain and to have someone who you love dearly say some things that were hurtful. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I could connect a little bit more on such a tiny level, but I could connect a little bit more with some of the pain that Jesus faced as he was going through those who had claimed to be close to him, and then everybody ran. And it was through that hurt that I began to understand even more clearly what an awesome Savior that we have. So, um, I have the bumper sticker for the day, um, and I've, I've changed it and changed it and changed it again, and I don't know if it's where it's going to end up completely, but... Uh, for the sake of these stickers, uh, it's done. So, here it is. Um, the road to Mount Healing winds through Hurt Valley. Just keep walking. It's a great place to visit, but you don't want to live there. Uh, I want you to, to think about that for just a minute. The road to Mount Healing winds through Hurt Valley. Just keep walking. It's a great place to visit, but you don't want to live there. Frida, can you pass that back to Harleen? I think those will meet in the middle. Do you understand what I mean by that? I don't want anybody to think that you're going to find yourself on a mountain glorifying God and seeing the rainbow and smelling the roses without having to go through the valley. In fact, if there's not a valley, I think we can say there's no such thing as a mountain. Because you have to go down in order to appreciate what's up there. So there's, there's two extremes I want us to avoid. The first one is thinking, I just won't hurt. I'm going to skip over that and I'll find myself on the mountain. Okay, uh, Unforgiveness and hurt is just uh, like 
um, pain and loss uh, in that you cannot skip over the hurt. You, you can't do it. You may think you can, and people try to do it. There are many people who have experienced a loss of a loved one and they quickly try to just breeze over and fix everything and make everything okay. And they're like, oh good, you know, I avoided that. You're just prolonging it. Um, and my encouragement is uh, when you're going through grief, go through grief. Uh, and if you know someone who is going through a time where they should experience grief, let them feel grief. Don't run in and slap the band-aid on and say, everything's okay, let's get on with life. Let them feel grief. Ask them, my favorite question to ask, I know that sounds kind of weird to say that, but one question I like to ask people who've gone through a difficult time or are in the middle of one is to ask the question, how are you grieving? Because you let them know that you expect them to grieve, that it is okay to grieve. Because if, if you try to push them on or they try to push things on, they're going to deal with that grief and it's going to come back with a vengeance and it's going to be a lot worse. Same thing with hurt. If you try to just ignore it or avoid it or just pass by it, it will come back. good friend of mine in Sweetwater, he's a physical therapist. Uh, they do lots of different kinds of work, but one of his jobs really is to hurt people. That's, that's what he does for a living is he hurts people. If you've ever been had some type of injury uh, or maybe you've some, had some kind of open wound, ultimately you're going to end up at a physical therapist's office uh, and he's going to tell you to do some things that you don't want to do, some things that will hurt. But he's going to let you know or she's going to let you know, if you don't handle this right now, it will come back worse. And I won't talk about all these wound procedures or wound, uh, uh, what's he call that when he cleans it out? Um, wound care and stuffs all these gauze in there. And he says, if you don't do it, that is going to form an infection. And all of a sudden, you're going to have problems much, much worse. Or maybe if it's a, a, a broken leg. If you don't do the things to allow it to heal some painful things, then if it does grow back, it's going to grow back incorrectly if you don't handle it properly. So the first thing is don't deny the fact that there is hurt involved. And in a minute, we're going to talk about why people would want to do that. And there's some legitimate reasons. Not right reasons, but they're legitimate reasons. The second thing is when you're going through the valley, this is the opposite extreme. The first one is I don't hurt at all. I'm so tough. Nothing can bother me. I'm going to keep going. The second one is is that um, as you go through the valley, um, you don't just walk through it. You don't pitch a tent. You build a house. And you make that your place of residence. The valley of hurt is not where we want to live. I believe it is a great place to visit. I believe that our character is built upon the fact that we go through hard times. Uh, I have bragged on and adored and spoke, uh, spoken quite fondly of the greatest generation ever. The one back in the, the, who went through the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. They, they have the character in which they do because they went through hard times. 
Uh, I, I may have shared this before, but Paul Harvey talks about some things he hopes that his grandson has to go through. He says, I, I hope uh, my grandson falls and scrapes his knee. Uh, I hope his girlfriend, you know, uh, breaks up with him on the playground. I hope he has to put, uh, you know, his dog down after he gets too old. And he says, all these things, I want, these, I want him to experience these things because if we shelter ourselves from those pains and our hurts then we won't really experience what life is all about, that we have to experience those. So, walk through the valley, but don't put a mailbox there. Okay, We don't want to stay in that, and that is common for people to do. Uh, we talked a little bit about last week or several weeks ago, why we would want to do that. Why would you want to feel that hurt? Well, you know, there are some people who, when they walk into the room, they can be identified with the fact that they are hurting. And people will come to their aid. Good, loving people will come to their aid and say, how are you doing? I know things are terrible. And that becomes their badge. And they walk everywhere and they want people to know that they're the hurt ones because all of a sudden they get the attention and love that, that they want. And if, if they get healed, then all of a sudden then nobody's paying attention to them anymore. You've seen it before. You've, you've been maybe in a restaurant and you've seen somebody come in who was on crutches and a wheelchair. Do you notice the special attention that they get? And rightfully so. They, somebody comes to make sure the door is open for them and they get them taken care of. If, if Hopefully, I would think this happens, if, if people are sitting down and they see somebody come in on crutches, they're going to give up their seat so the person on crutches can have it. That can happen... Um, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. If someone walks in and, and they seem to have this hurt on them, people will kind of go out of their way. Um, unfortunately, though, sometimes that, in, that enables people to want to live in that valley and be hurt all the time. I want to make an important point that we talked a little bit about last week, and I think I want to glean two points from this. Uh, first thing uh, is I talked a little bit about last week that that while we take the words of Jesus very seriously, and when he talks about uh, turning the other cheek uh, in Matthew chapter 5, um, God is calling us to something greater. But he is not calling us to be a doormat for people who will continually abuse us. One of the things we want to work out through this in forgiving, uh, there are some things forgiving is, there are things that forgiving is not. Forgiving is not mean opening the door so someone can continue to hurt you again and again. And when I say abuse, the first thing we think of most likely is probably the physical abuse uh, that takes place inside homes uh, by that wives and children, uh, even husbands who could be physically abused. But that's not the only way. I want us to be very clear and, and understand that that. God does not say that I want you to continue on in a, an abusive situation. And that may not be um, hitting and pushing and kicking. Verbal abuse is as just as dangerous or even more hurtful than someone swinging their fist. The person who said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, lived in a bubble or couldn't hear a thing. Because it doesn't take long for us. So I want, when we talk about this, the, the hurt that goes on, I don't want you to think that, well, if I wasn't physically damaged, then it's okay. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes we, we don't think about 
really being hurt. They said, well, they really didn't do anything to me. I mean, there's no scars, there's no bruises, uh, and yet those can cut real deep. Uh, all of that, this conversation we just had, precipitated from a very sweet lady who I will um, uh, remain anonymous, uh, who had a conversation with me, says, I appreciate that you mentioned that, that there's physical abuse, um, but what, what should we say about you know, verbal abuse or emotional abuse, spiritual abuse? In fact, there's a book out here on the table if it hadn't been picked up. It says, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse. And unfortunately, that's a book that needed to be written and lots and lots of people need to read it. Because unfortunately, even in churches, Satan is using leaders to um, spiritually abuse others. And so there's lots of different ways. Uh, and I, I appreciate the comment uh, that she made and said, you know what, you're right. I, I would never want anybody to think that when I'm talking about abuse, I just want to have, I'm just referring to, to physical abuse. So I say all of that to say, um, by and large, each one of you is a lot smarter than me. And I encourage your comments and your questions. And if you have a question either here or afterwards, come and talk to me about it. Because if there's a way that we can all learn and grow through this process, uh, that is wonderful. So I always have an open door. Um, you can come in and scream and yell at me. And I usually can learn something from that. And if I can't, well, then that's my problem, not yours. So, but I really appreciate that. Okay, so let's, let me ask you this question. Woo. Let me ask you this question. Um, why... Would we not want to admit that someone hurt us? Why do you think that would be a problem? I have a little list here, but obviously that list can grow quite a bit. Why do you think we might not want to admit that we got hurt? Okay, embarrassment. Tell me a little bit more. Embarrassment. Okay, okay. Uh, Pride. Pride. Because if, if somebody can hurt me, then that means maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. You know, that I, I can get up and I, you know, what's the old saying? I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, that I'm big and tough. Pride is a, a huge one, Winnie. Thank you. What else? Okay. Yes, because now all of a sudden, boy, let me tell you this. If there is a rule that has... has um, been formed in so many families, probably one of the worst rules that you can have. It's called the don't talk rule. Is anybody, is anybody, maybe I shouldn't ask you to raise your hands, but, but do you know somebody else, not you of course, but do you know somebody else <laughs> who lives in a family where they have the don't talk rule? You know the don't talk rule. We, we just don't talk about it. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and we don't even talk about the don't talk rule. We don't even admit that it's there. I mean, it's not on the refrigerator that says, don't talk about this. Everybody knows we just don't talk about this. And you're shunned if you talked about, talk about it. And if, if, you know, if you're the one who brings up an issue, even though you may have been the victim, all of a sudden you become the offender because you're the one who's bringing this up and you're breaking the no-talk rule. And let me tell you, that's one of the greatest signs of abuse is secrecy. If somebody does something to you and they want you to be quiet about it, that right there is a great sign that there's some abuse taking place. Okay, and I, I've heard that happen where somebody says, you know what, I really don't want anybody else to know about what we've talked about. This, this is just between us. 
Well, of course it is, because if others really knew about what went on, they would recognize that, that, that they've done something wrong and hurtful. So that's right. It's fear. Uh, it's upsetting the system. That if we talk about it, that we bring this out in the open, then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes that kind of draws lines in the sand. What else? It makes you vulnerable. Um, if you are willing to recognize that you are hurt, then it's almost as though you are empowering the person who hurt you. You're saying, you hurt me. And for some people, they, they kind of like that. And it puts you, in some ways, it feels like you can be in an inferior situation. And all of a sudden, it opens it up once again. And I, boy, I just, I, I get chills when I think about, I hear these stories of these, these women um, who get abused uh, or they're, they're raped. And they won't come out and say anything because they're afraid if they say something, people will start judging them and say, well, you shouldn't have been here, you shouldn't have done that, or you shouldn't have been around that person. And then all of a sudden, the person who was the victim is the one who becomes vulnerable. They're the one who becomes the target for others, and it's like, well, it must have been her fault for being there. Well, that's crazy. And yet, that's what happens. That's one of the reasons why we try to glaze over and say, I'm not hurt, I'm just going to keep going on. What else, Robin? I almost want to go to the other extreme, and sometimes people want to keep their hurt internalized because they don't want to be talked out of it. They don't want to, to share it and have somebody else kind of talk them through it and be able to tell them, you know, it's time to forgive. Or they, don't, they want to be able to hold it and keep it bottled up and not have somebody talk them out of their hurt. That's right. And, and that's kind of what really one of the main things is. If you address it and admit that there is a problem, what happens when you have a problem? What do you try to do next? We try to solve it. And we don't want to solve it. We don't really want to solve it sometimes. Maybe you want to. Maybe you're a better person than I. But I've been in those situations where I didn't really want to solve it. I didn't want to pray for forgiveness or that person. I, I kind of felt good. I felt entitled. I, I felt better because I had this anger that I could hold against them. And if we recognize that we're hurt, then the next thing that we have to do is we have to try to maybe wake our, make our way towards forgiveness. And that's something we just don't want to do. So it's better not admit it, and deep down we can just be angry and vengeful, and we can uh, you know, have that conversation over and over again in our head and, and never have to forgive. Once it's out in the open, then we might be, have to forgive Frida. No. You might want to just carry a little Yes, yes. And I'll say this. This is something we didn't talk about. Last week, I, I talked a little bit about the idea of um, we don't have to forgive everything. Not everything is so bad that it requires forgiveness. You know, some things happened, and that's just the way that they are. And if we try to make everything a big deal of forgiveness and we cheapen what forgiveness is. Having said that, I also don't think that as soon as you're hurt, you have to jump and say, I forgive you, because that doesn't allow you to hurt. Uh, ne you need to understand, I'm not saying that you don't forgive, I'm not saying that you harbor, but go through the valley, don't fly over it. Because inevitably, if you try to fly over it, you're going to be up on the mountain saying, oh, this is great, you trip, you roll down, and now when you're, the, you're in the valley, and you're banged up and bruised worse than ever before. 
You need to, you need to let it, and I'm not saying you do this vengefully, but you have to recognize that there's hurt. Assess the situation. What else? Well, what about somebody who they hurt you, they yell at you and scream at you, and they ask you to forgive them, and then the next time they start feeling that way, you know it's coming again. Yes. And it's a cycle. It is. And, and one of the things we're going to talk a little bit about later is how do, how do we forgive people um, who, who keep hurting us? Uh, God calls us to forgive. I have no doubt about that. But our forgiveness doesn't have really anything to do with the person who's hurt us. It has to do with us and our healing and our moving on. Uh, but there has to come a point where if this continues, you have to do something about it. Now... Okay, those are two really good points, and, and, and I want to address that too, Jamie, because that's something that we need to talk about, because that's not really forgiveness. I mean, you can, say, you can give lip service, and remember we talked about that story last week, I think it was, of folk, and how he said he forgave his wife for what she did, but he really didn't forgive her. In fact, every time he saw her, he just got more and more angry. That wasn't really forgiveness. He, he was just faking that so he could look really good. And that's a problem because there are people who say, I'll forgive you, but they will hold it over you. Anytime they have a chance, they're grabbing the handle that's sticking way out and they're going to yank it back out and they're going to try to beat you over the head with it again and again. And I've seen this. And it's not easy. That's why I say when you, have, when you forgive someone, it's not a one and done, Harleen. It's something you have to do over and over again. It's something that you continually have to deal with. It's not like, oh, I, you know, I forgave that person, it's over. You, you sometimes have to wake up and, and forgive them again. And you, you keep working at it intentionally. You, you can't just stop at it. Um, you know, at a, in, in this, this case, you know, I, I would say um, one of the things that you have to do is... Um, uh, that my, oh, I, I could tell lots and lots of stories, and we're going to get off topic, but I, I can talk about um, Charlie Seibert, just one of the greatest men I've ever known, Dr. Seibert. One of the things he talked about is when you come into a situation and you have someone who's doing something over and over again, or, or they're the one with a problem, if you want to fix that problem, you have to be the one who changes. Okay, so I'm going to use the example, and this is not real life, so... So we know this is hypothetical. My wife is a terrible, abusive drinker. She drinks all the time, and then she beats me up. Uh, and then she leaves the house, and she goes out to the bar, and she drinks some more, and then she comes home. Okay, so Dr. Seibert would say you come into that situation, and like you said, you're not changing. That you're not, you say, hey, there's nothing wrong here. I just go out and have a little drink, have a little fun. You know, sometimes, you know, Doug doesn't fold the laundry right, and so he needs to be pushed around a bit. So... Okay, what he's going to say is, he's going to say is, if I want Jennifer to change, you know what has to happen? I have to change. I have to be the one who forces change. Okay, and this is what it's really tough for a lot of maybe battered women in this situation. But he would say, do this. He would say, Doug, if you don't change, she will not. So here's what you're going to do. She's going to walk out of the door and she's going to head to the bar. And you're going to call the locksmith. And he's going to come in and he's going to change all the, the locks on all the doors. And when she comes home drunk and mad and angry and looking for a fight, she's not getting in. And she's going to have to come to the realization that things are changing. And she is either going to change to be a part of this system or she's going to have to do something else. Now that's a tough situation. 
This is horrible, horrible to deal with if you have a child who continues to rebel. Maybe it's an adult child or a young adult child who at some point you have to do the horrible, make the horrible decision of saying, I'm locking the doors and you're out on your own. And I don't wish that on anybody. And that's a situation that I can talk about, but I, I mean, it's harder to do. do you, you know what I'm talking about? When you have a child who's, who's continuing to rebel, you have to be the one who makes that change, who says that, you know what, I'm not going to bail you out this time. You're going to have to go through that valley. If you keep plucking them up out of that valley, then, then it's, it's not really going to help them. So we kind of got a little bit off. I hope that you all see where we're going when it comes to forgiveness. Uh, you're going to have to make some changes. And you can't force them to forgive. You, you can encourage them to seek counseling. You can do a lot of different things, but the bottom line is if they don't want to be, if they don't want to forgive, you can't make them. I, I, I counseled a couple, guy had an affair, and uh, he, he, boy, he, he messed up big time. And he knew it, and he admitted it. And, and he began making changes in his life. And it was, it was like a whatever you want me to do, I am so sorry, I messed up, please forgive me type of deal. And he was in the wrong. And the wife, bless her heart, the list never ended. No matter what he did, she couldn't get past that. And she would just, she, in my opinion, she held it over his head. No matter what he tried to do, from that point on, he was the, the louse who was good for nothing. And any time they would have an argument, she would say, I just don't trust you because of this happened. Now, is she going to have trust issues? Yes. But at some point months, years down the road, at least she has to make an effort every day to forgive him and to go a little bit further. And if she doesn't, then that relationship won't get better. It's going to do, unfortunately, with that relationship, it deteriorated. And two boys now live with mama and get to see their daddy once every other weekend. It's a bad situation. Great kids, great man, made a big mistake. And the wife had to deal with some pretty tough consequences of his mistake. But she also had to deal with the fact that she, she struggled to forgive him. Yes, who else? Okay, um, the, the question was what happens when it keeps coming back again? Like I said, I think you're just going to have to get, you have to make some changes. Um, and, and this is one of the points that I'm going to disagree with him. He has, four po- he has four points, and I don't want to give them all away, but one of them basically says is that you reconcile with that person. I don't believe that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. I don't believe that reconciliation, I think it can happen and ideally it would happen, but it doesn't always happen. And sometimes you're going to forgive someone, but there's consequences for what they did. And you can love them and you can forgive them. If, you know, we had a babysitter who... You know, we, we hired, and, and while she's watching our kids, you know, she, she starts drinking, okay? And, you know, the, one of the kids runs out, you know, outside and gets lost, and we come home, and she's passed out on the couch, and the kids run around crazy. Okay, so we, we gather up the kids. We're angry. We're hurt. We're mad. We ultimately forgive her, right? Okay, so next Friday, I call her up and say, hey, what's going on? You want to come watch my kids again? No. Forgiveness does not mean that we open up the door for them to continue to do it over and over again. 
Uh, I think that's really important. Okay, we're almost out of time, but let's uh, try to, does anybody have any more? I think we have a few more here. Why do people not want to acknowledge hurt? Why else? Okay, it, it can, um, you just don't want to go there. Um, and people say, you know, um, there was an old uh, skit on uh, Saturday Night Live. I can't believe I'm even mentioning that in the church building. But uh, there's a guy named Stuart Smiley. And, and he would stand in front of a mirror and he'd say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. You know, and that was kind of like the self-help. Like, if we just smile, everything will be okay. You know, and that's not really how it is. That it's okay to be a Christian and to hurt. And to feel anger and don't let anybody tell you, you know, God calls you to be happy all the time and you should never feel those types of emotions because they're bad and they're from the devil. No, God calls them. God felt anger and sadness and hurt and resentment. God felt jealousy. God is a jealous God who was broken hearted when the people that he loved and gave everything for, they turned away and they made idols out of gold. And God says, I'm a jealous God. There are some things that you're allowed to do, but worshiping other people is not one of them. Because you belong to me. And so we should feel those types of emotions. Don't let anybody tell you as a Christian, we're always happy, we're always smiling, and you don't have any pain. We're going to have pain. God doesn't say, you're never going to have pain. He says, I'm never going to leave you in that pain. I'll be with you. Okay. Sorry, I get a little excited about talking about because that's how I, more than anything else, I, I felt through my tough times, the most overwhelming feeling I had that just changed everything is I, God never left me. I felt like He was with me even when I hurt. And I did, I did bad things and wrong things. But God never left me. And that's something I cherish more than anything else through all the hard times is He was there for me. When I felt like nobody was there for me except my wife, he was there. And that's, he, when we feel those hard times, he's there for us. Read Psalms. Goodness. You, boy, it's not all about, you know, you know uh, being by the, the, the streams like Psalms 23 talks about. You know, it's, there's some times we spend in the valley. Okay. Uh, why people may not acknowledge hurt. We're almost done. That's right. And being honest sometimes hurt because if we recognize that somebody had hurt, has hurt us by something that they said, then sometime we're going to reach this, this crisis of, of knowing that, oops, maybe I've hurt other people too. And, and maybe I've done some things that are hurtful. Okay, <laughs> there's a book in the Bible. It's called Lamentations. <laughs> and, and that... That's how you have a relationship with God is, is this give and take of saying, God, why does this have to happen? And look at Job and how he changed because he, 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 he went toe-to-toe with God and, and lost, but his relationship grew because he, he said, God, what's going on here? Why does this have to happen? And, and then God says, um, let me ask you some questions. But that's how that relationship grew. Rita? Uh, that, that can end the cycle. If you're willing to confront it, uh, and I'm not a big guy on conflict. I really don't like conflict. I like to smile and try to make, I'm a people type of guy. But my studies in the last few years and getting to know uh, Dr. Seibert, his nickname is Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> 
Because he comes in and he says, okay, there's a problem, you need to fix it. Well, most of us don't want to get to point number one is there's a problem. But if we admit there's a problem, then all of a sudden we can, we can break the cycle that continues over and over again. Very good. Okay, Carolyn or Carol, one of the two of you, I think you had your hand up. That's right, because if you address the fact that there's hurt, then you have to go through some, those emotions. And some of those emotions are going to lead to thoughts of, you know, doing things that are unchristian. And you think, if I, just, if I rise above that, if I don't deal with it, then I don't have to go with that. That's very great. I listed a few, and y'all brought out so many more that are much better. But my list was, um, it's too painful. We don't acknowledge the hurt because it's just too painful. Uh, another one is, uh, it, it invites hate, uh, which is what Carol just said, that, that if you allow yourself to go in that valley, uh, you start thinking, why am I here and who made me get here and why should they be down here instead of me? And all of a sudden, you're, you're wishing bad things upon them. Uh, Winnie mentioned a minute ago, number three I had was pride. Uh, and this is just a small list. You've, again, brought out one that's so much greater than what I uh, had written down. Uh, four, we talked about it, it empowers the offender. That, that if you acknowledge that they hurt you, then you're giving them some sense of power. Uh, number five, uh, it, it could lead to forgiveness. <laughs> and maybe we don't want to be there ever. Uh, and then I also alluded to a minute ago uh, is it can indict us. If we recognize that, that we were hurt by something that somebody said, that if we're self-reflecting, we might come to the realization that, hey, we've possibly said other things to other people that hurt them as well. Uh, and so we, we, you know, we want to say, oh, it, you know, it's no big deal. Let's just wipe it clean. Um, these are all legitimate reasons why we don't want to hurt, but these are not the right reasons. Okay, These are all legitimate reasons. I'm saying you could say, I don't want to hurt because um, I don't want to have to forgive or I don't want to have to deal with the pain or I don't want to break the, the no-talk rule in my family, but that is not, not how healing occurs. Okay, you will not make it to Mount Healing if you are camping out or building a house uh, in Hurt Valley. So we just, we need to recognize that. God has ordained and allowed us to feel hurt and pain. And it's through that pain that we're able to grow. A great discussion. Any other thoughts or questions before we wrap up our class this morning? I, I so appreciate, you just don't know how much I appreciate uh, your presence here. Uh, and I hope you're learning a little bit, if not from me, certainly from the other comments that have been made. This is, this is why I want us to do this study. It's because I want us to get to a point where we can get past those hurts that, that we felt. Uh, until we stop looking at the past, we're going to have a difficult time seeing our future. And that's what God has, has planned for us. But Satan wants to block us from that. So let's close out in a prayer this morning. Father God, thank you so much uh, for how you, um, that you did not uh, skip over the hurt. Uh, that you allowed your son Jesus, perfect and sinless, uh, to enter into the world and to constantly um, face a, a abuse uh, and opposition, and ultimately, uh, Jesus, 
you allowed yourself you allowed yourself to die for us. And I, there have been times I have wished that you didn't have to deal with that pain. Admittedly, there have been times I thought, Oh, Jesus, if you would have just come off that cross and went after those soldiers. But then I realized that it's that hurt that you felt that led to my healing. And so I thank you for going through that. And so, Lord, I pray that we acknowledge the fact that we are in a broken and sinful world and we hurt and we have hurt others, but the only way to find healing is to acknowledge that. And so, Lord, I pray that we do that, that we don't remain in our bitterness and our anger in the valley, but we keep walking closer to the healing that you have called us to. Thank you again for these women and what they mean in our uh, to you and what they mean to our community and what they mean to their families. May you continue to be glorified through them. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.